I'm in an assignment here today to impart great faith. Okay. It only takes a little spark. So welcome to those listening on live stream, YouTube, all around the world. It's great to have you here today as we begin our month speaking about great faith. And uh, I want you to know today that God's placed in me great faith. Faith that moves mountains. Faith that sets people free. And God's placed within you great faith. And today we're going to stir up the gift of faith in the house of God and see it increase and increase and increase. I want to speak to you today about the workings of faith. The workings of faith. The workings of faith. And so turn with me to 1 John 5 verse 4. And we're going to unpack it today and over the next few weeks. Faith is a mystery. Faith is a mystery that will take the rest of our life to even begin to scratch the surface. But we're going to do our best today. And I want to encourage you today that you're not just receiving instruction, but you come to receive impartation. Don't just sit here to take notes, as great as that is, but come to receive impartation. Are you getting this? You see, as I grew up, I had the pleasure of sitting under some amazing men and women of great faith. And what was imparted to me wasn't just what they knew with their head, but there was an impartation spirit to spirit. And so when you're sitting here today, I want to encourage you not just to sit there like a rock, but to come like a sponge and to soak up everything you can. You see, as a young boy, I remember I had had my challenges and troubles, but I knew one thing, I knew how to be a sponge. And so I'd go to meetings uh, youth Alive meetings, for those who don't know, there were meetings designed for young people. There'd be hundreds of people and I would make sure that I was sitting up the front and I would soak and I would marinate and I would draw and I would chase down the speaker and I would get them to pray for me because I was hungry to receive from God. And so you can receive with your head, which is good, but it's far better to receive with your head and with your heart. See, what I want today is impartation. So you catch, see, this is the thing. I've seen people go to church for years and years and years and, and never receive any great impartation because you're, you, you're part of the church. In other words, your backside's on a pew, but you don't, you don't actually receive a whole lot from the church, from the body of Christ, from the ministers, because you haven't postured your heart to receive impartation. So you can go there and you can sit in, the, in, in a chair and never receive anything. So we have to posture our hearts for impartation. And so I want to encourage you today to be hungry, to be desperate, to receive. And that's why I have people, and it's not just for me, but in all walks of life, you can have 10 people around you and one person be totally transformed and take on and excel and go beyond you, and the other nine receive, as it were, nothing. It's like the lepers. One came back and gave praise to God. One came back and got a great impartation. Nine, the other nine were healed, but they weren't made whole. Are you getting this? So you get to choose the level of breakthrough that you want. 
And I've seen people say, well, it's not fair, that person's growing. That per-. The reason they grow is because they position themselves for impartation. And I'm giving you some keys and clues before we begin today. Some people get around you and they want everything that you've got. They ask, they question, they rub off, they, they, they are just so hungry. And other people walk past gifts of greatness and never recognize it. How could it be that in Jesus' hometown, so many people walked past him and relegated him to just the son of a carpenter? when he was the Messiah, the son of the living God, the one that had the ability to totally change their world. And yet they walked past him because they weren't positioned for impartation. They were living from their head and not from their heart. And they missed him. And so today, you can have as much as you want from God. You can suck me dry. Jesus said, who touched me? Who touched me? And the disciples said, what are you talking about? They all touched you. And he said, no, somebody touched me because I felt healing virtue flow. Somebody made a demand on that was, was placed within me. And the rest just came past as bypassers, inquisitive, but not really hungry. So today, you can have as much as you want or as little as you want. One John five verse four. For whatsoever or whosoever is born of God is born to overcome the world. When you're born of God, the moment you get born of God, born of God, the Bible says that God places His Spirit within you that causes you to overcome the world. No battle, no force, no resistance, no enemy, no demon. No problem, no circumstance, no sickness, no disease, no lack can come against you because the Bible says when you are born of God, when you are joined spirit to spirit with Him, you are made and equipped to overcome the world. That's the truth. And this is how you overcome the world. This is a victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Our faith is the very tool the very gift that God has given us, that we could connect with the unlimited resources of God that enable us to have victory. I don't have victory everywhere in my life as much as I would desire. But I do know this one thing. The, the very thing that connects me to the unlimited victorious resources of God, God's not intimidated by a devil, by lack or disease. What connects me to the heart of the unlimited one is my ability to live a life of great faith. Amen. Are you getting this today? Faith is the key to everything in the kingdom. So if there's anything that you want to understand today, it's how to live by faith. It's your faith that unlocks the ever-increasing resources of God into your life today. Nothing is a substitute for faith. That's why your faith is the target of the devil. If he can rob you of your faith, you are finished. So he will come against you with fiery darts. He will come against you with accusations. For he has one purpose in mind. It's to rob you of great faith. But I'm telling you today that by the time you're finished, listening to me, your faith is going to rise and rise and rise and the enemy will be no match for you for you will go out with great faith. 
Mountain-moving faith. I'm going to hit faith from every possible angle. There's going to be a whole lot more left, but we're just going to go through it today. And I believe that as I speak, not that it's in the wisdom or the eloquence of what I say, but as I speak, I believe my words carry the spirit of faith that as I speak and you grab a hold of them, that faith has been imparted into your heart today. If you want it. If you want it. Is there anybody that wants great faith? Faith is the master key to a world of unlimited possibilities. Mark 9 verse 27 says, If you can believe, listen, if you can believe, all things are possible. I mean, you could spend a whole year on that and not even scratch the surface. It's the master key to unlimited potential. If you can believe, if you can believe, nothing else, but if you can believe, all things are possible, Melissa, if you can believe. If you can believe, if you understand how the life of faith works, you can step into a realm where there is nothing that is impossible to God. That means that arms can grow where there were no arms. If we can believe. That means that we can tap into such resources that billions of dollars seem like nothing if you can believe. That means that you can lead thousands and thousands of people to the Lord if you can believe. That means that you can become the next prime minister of this nation if you can believe. Mark eleven twenty two 22 says, have the same faith or the faith of God. If you can believe all things are possible, have the faith of God. This places us in the realm, the same realm sphere as God himself. He said, greater works you will do because Jesus is going to the Father. Have the faith of God. If you can believe all things are possible. Jesus said, greater works will you do because they go to the Father. And Jesus said of himself, the greater one is here, greater than Solomon. You see the one greater than Solomon? He's standing right here. Jesus spoke of himself. And he said, greater works will you do than me because I'm going to the Father. That tells me that I have within me the potential to live in such wisdom and authority and leadership and governance more so than the King Solomon did in his lifetime. If you can believe, all things are possible. So the issue is not your capacity as in your own mental capacity. The issue is not in, in how you were brought up. The issue is in the level of faith that you learn to walk in that accesses the vastness of God. Are you getting this today? It's not a problem about you. This is it. If we could see a, a, a tank, as it were, or an ocean of God's unlimited resources... And we see us here. The only issue is how do I join who I are or am to who God is? And there's a tube, as it were, from God to us. And it might be a little PVC pipe of one inch. That's our level of faith. It might be small faith. But it's still a connection from God himself to me. And as we increase in faith, that pipe, as it were, increases in its diameter and ability for the flow of God to go from him to me. I'm connecting into the very life and the nature of God himself 
the miracle-working, creative God. And that's why Jesus said, if you can believe, if you can be connected to the Father by faith, there's nothing that you cannot do. God looked at the earth that was void, without form, and he spoke a word. Think about it. He just spoke. He didn't mix anything. He didn't get out his, out his, his cake tin and put a few ingredients, one drop of vanilla essence. He didn't do that. Hmm, that's too much. He spoke. And everything that we see around us was formed because of the word of God's mouth. If you can believe all things are possible. Faith is an actual spiritual force. It turns an evil report into a good report. Hebrews 11.2. Through faith they obtained a good report. It can, faith is the very thing that converts the word of God into power. Romans 1.16 says... The gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. Hear that? The gospel, the word of God, is the power of God to those who believe. So my faith is what turns God's word into power. It converts the words of God into power. As I believe what God says he is and what he says I am, my faith in his word it's like it converts his word into power, effective power in my life. Faith is powerful. So we're going to quickly cover a few things about faith today. How does faith come? Faith is one source and one source alone. It's the word of God. That's why the devil doesn't want you reading the Bible. Makes sense, doesn't it? Romans tells us that. Romans 10, 17, that faith has one source and it's the word of God. And this faith comes in degrees. The Bible says there is little faith, there is great faith, there's exceeding great faith, and then there is a spirit of faith. I'll say it again. There is little faith. Jesus spoke of little faith. Well, someone, you have to start somewhere. There is great faith. There's exceeding great faith and there is the spirit of faith. Second Thessalonians 1.3 says that faith is a growing force. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting because your faith is growing exceedingly. So this is my prayer that my faith at the end of this year looks nothing like it is today, that it's grown and grown and grown. And I've learned how to tap into the heart of God, the ways of God. I've learned how to drill in, to abide with Him. So His thoughts are my thoughts. So faith becomes an unconscious reality. The Bible tells us it's our investment in the Word that qualifies us for greater degrees of faith. It doesn't increase in the life of the idol. You won't get great faith watching TV. Faith comes as you labor in the word. The Bible says, be diligent to enter into the rest. So it's not a quest for lazy people. So we talk about the rest of God. You've got to labor to enter the rest, the place of faith. So you get before the Lord, you open the word, you begin to study the word, begin to pray in the spirit and ask, and we're going to talk about this in a moment. So what I'm asking you to step into over, these, over this next month as we talk about faith requires 
passion and diligence. Be diligent to enter the rest. This is a season, church, where God is demanding of the church in a spirit of love that we rise up to new levels of faith to meet the need of the hour. Are you hearing me? Jesus came against the devil with the word of God and said, it is written. He was a living epistle read by all men. He was filled with the word of God. And it's the cry of this hour that God's people would be immersed in the mind of Christ. So when cometh the hour, cometh the man. That when the occasion comes, we are ready to go in Jesus' name. I was listening to a, a, a mighty uh, sermon by uh, some of you may know the pastor, David Oedipo, one of the greatest men of God I've ever heard. And he talked about this same story of being ready for the hour, not just, not just being lazy, but being ready. And he was talking about his church, which is a church so filled with passionate faith. And he declared over his church, Thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. No child will die this year in this church. Amen? And uh, he said one of the women in his church was driving in the car and she had involved in a hit and run accident and her little baby died in the accident. She took the baby to hospital at five o'clock at night and the hospital looked at the baby and they declared the baby dead. Nothing we can do. So she took the baby to the second hospital for another diagnosis and they looked at the baby and said the baby's dead nothing we can do she took it to a third hospital that's great faith nothing we can do so she took the baby home and laid the baby on her bed and she said to the baby the man of God has spoken over you and declared that no baby shall die this year you will not die and went to sleep she woke up at 5.30 in the morning, heard her baby sneeze. The baby had come back to life and was at church next Sunday. So we, we, we can't wait. You've got to be ready for the hour. You've got to be ready. You've got to be filled with great faith. We've got to be stirring up our faith, immersing ourselves in faith right now. When it comes to faith... One of the great keys to faith is the spirit of revelation. If you're taking notes, revelation is the greatest asset in the school of faith because it compels you to believe. John 1.12 says, As many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. You see, lots of people didn't recognize Jesus and so they were never transformed. No faith came because their eyes weren't open. And what we pray for when it comes to faith is the Holy Spirit to come and breathe on us and cause us to see. When I see, faith has come. Your level of insight determines the degree of faith that you walk in. And so the prayer, the constant prayer of the church is Father, open my eyes to see. You've got to understand today there are things in the Spirit that you're not seeing. And there's things in the Spirit that I'm not seeing. There are things that we think are one way, but they're actually the opposite. There are ways that we are looking at circumstances that are totally wrong. 
absolutely 100% wrong. In fact, you need to do a 180-degree turn to get it right. And I'm prophesying over people today. God is saying there are things in your life that you are perceiving, and he's saying you've got it absolutely all wrong. And he's not saying that because he's angry at you. He's saying that because he wants to open your eyes to see. You've looked at your way, your, your life a certain way, and God said, you're going down a path that I never designed. You've narrowed your walk. Some of you, I can see now in the spirit, you, you, you look at your future and you think it's this way. You think it's winding down this way. And God's saying, actually, I want to wind it up to this way. You're on retirement phase where God says, I'm on a, I'm a, on a launching phase in your life. Oh, hmm. it just came back at me. Why did he do that? Well, that's just the Holy Spirit. If God comes upon you, sometimes you wouldn't stay still either. God said to Abraham, for as far as your eyes can see, it shall be given to you. See, that's what faith is about. It's the ability to see. I talked about having a tank between God and me. It's my ability to see who God is and what he says and the reality of that in my life that causes the pipe, as it were, between God and me to expand. God said to Abraham, whatever you can see, you can have. And here's the truth. The reason you don't have more money, more breakthrough, is because you're blind. Thank you. And it's the same for me. And this is not to, to beat people up. This is, this is, this is keys to open, open new opportunities. So we say, God, anoint my eyes to see. See, if it's because God doesn't want to give it to you, you're in, you're in a mess. But it's not because God doesn't want to give you more. He's saying you can't see what I've given you. Abraham, as far as your eye can see, I can. So what are you seeing when you see your children, when you see your workplace, when you see your circumstances? As far as your eye can see is that which you can have. All things are possible to those who believe. Amen. The issue is what we see. It's not the amount of scripture that determines the strength of our faith. It's the depth of our insight. It's not, I know people that know the Bible way better than me. They've read it more than me, to my shame. But yet they don't have the same insight. Or you can never see a thing and then doubt its existence. So it's when God opens your eyes to see Everything becomes clear. I remember the time where God opened my eyes to see that I was saved, born again, cleansed, eternally forgiven and eternally secure. And that moment when that came and it took years and years going through so much heartache and insecurity and pain and getting saved every week and getting unsaved every week. And the day that God gave me a revelation that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, cleansed because of Jesus and not because of my own work. When my eyes were open to see, my faith launched me into a new realm of security that could never lose again. And the issue of our hearts today is the ability to see what God has done. To take the living word of God and not just make it words, but God, breathe on it so I can see. 
You've got to labour over the word. See, this book that I wrote, it's a labour of love filled with revelation because I cried out to God, give me eyes to see, give me revelation. Ephesians 1, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. Give it to me, God. Make this word a living epistle. Spirit of life, breathe on it. Your words are life to me. I know what it's like to read the Bible and it's just, it's just like a book. It's pointless. It's useless until the spirit of life breathes upon it. And you've got to cry out for that. Because I've said those same things. Oh, There's a room full of those people in heaven. But we get before the Lord, we say, God, I know that I'm missing something. And you cry out to him. Hunger and thirst. See, these are prerequisites for being filled. Jesus never, never fills somebody that's casual about their hunger. Never. He said, blessed are those that hunger and thirst, for they shall be filled. Uh, uh, it's so hard. Uh, I've tried. And it's, everything's coming. I, look, join the gang. But you know what? There's something about hunger for God that presses past the woman with the issue of blood. You know, she would have got so many obstacles on her way to breakthrough, but she was determined to be healed. And she knew that her life was on the line. She could be killed for what she did. She'd spent everything in her pursuit to be healed. And this was her moment. And that's what you do when you get before the Lord. God, I've got to have greater faith. I've got to see you in a greater way. What I've got now is not enough for what you've called me to do. I need to see more of you. So increase my faith in you. And God will come. See, your hunger creates a vacuum that, that compels God to move. He's not moved through your tears. He's not moved through your self-pity. He's not moved by any of that, but he's moved by one thing, which is called great faith. And faith is expressed in hunger and passion for him. All the kingdom treasures are packaged in what we call mysteries. Mark 4.11 says, Unto you has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom. And faith is a great mystery. But here's how the kingdom works. The mysteries of God enable you to have mastery in the world. The mysteries of God, if you would seek them, they enable you to have mastery in the world. I have sought the Lord, and I have sought the Lord, and I've cried out, and I've read, and I've read till my eyes grew tired, and I've prayed, and I've imagined, and I've meditated on many things in my life. And I think of one now to break through in finances for the church, to see God's people break through out of poverty into a place of influence. And I've cried out to that before the Lord. Wealth in the kingdom is a mystery. But this mystery 
Once access gives you mastery. There are many mysteries in the kingdom and faith is a mystery. But when you begin to understand how great faith works, it will give you mastery over the devil and all his works. Romans eleven seventeen. We're going to talk more about faith. Faith is being spiritually grafted into God. Listen to this. And if some of the branches were broken off and you being a wild olive tree were grafted in among them and with them you became a partaker of the root and the fatness of the olive tree. Some of the branches were broken off and you were a wild olive tree and the, Paul says you were grafted in to become a partaker of the root and the fatness of the olive tree. The olive tree is a picture of the father and the kingdom. You were once far off, aliens to the promises and the covenant of God. And Paul says, you've been grafted into this olive tree and now you're a partaker of the root and the fatness of the olive tree. Are you getting this? Grafting is taking a branch of a tree and grafting it into another tree. The nature of the engrafted branch now changes. So you get the grafted branch, you graft it into the tree. And so the nature of the tree of the branch that's been engrafted all of a sudden begins to change. It's now directly drawing from the new tree and it begins to bear fruit according to the new tree after the nature of the tree that it's grafted. Are you getting this? So that's what faith is. It's grafting myself into the nature of God. It's meditating. It's, it's getting the word and, 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 and the promises of God. And as I meditate, I am being grafted in to the very nature of God. Holy Spirit breathes on a scripture like this. Blessed are those that have left houses and brothers and mothers and aunties and uncles and businesses and all nice things. For my, I'm adding a few words. For my sake and the gospel. For there shall be a hundredfold return in this life and the life to come. And I say, thank you, Father. Thank you for the hundredfold return. You said on good ground in Mark 4 is 30, 60, 100-fold. Your nature is the nature of a hundredfold. And Keith told me today, Lord, that that even a thousandfold, and yes, Deuteronomy 1.11 says that you're the God of the thousandfold return, and you did a thousandfold with the loaves and the fishes. So I thank you for that. And as I worship him and praise him, the Holy Spirit breathes on this whole concept. I am being engrafted into the nature of the vine, his fatness. Fatness represents all that he is. His goodness, his wealth, his increase is being, it, there's a flow from his heart to mine. And I begin to bear the same fruits as if it were God walking on the earth today. When I'm grafted into the olive tree, whatever is in his nature flows into me. That's why 1 John 5, 4 says, Whoever is born of God overcomes the world. John, uh, sorry, in 1 Corinthians 6, 17, it says, whoever is joined to the Lord is one spirit. And so faith is joining my heart with his heart through the meditation of the word, through inviting Holy Spirit to breathe on that. There is a joining of spirit to spirit. 
So what branches can I join today into the vine? I can join the branch of prosperity, of healing, of personal breakthrough, of deliverance, of salvation. They're all grafted into the main root, the vine, and his nature flows to me. That's what faith is. And because I'm now drawing directly from God, listen, whatever cannot be found in God cannot be found in me. Should I spell that out for you? So sickness and disease and lack and fear and pain and sadness and depression, none of these things can be found in God. And because I am grafted into him and his life is flowing into me, that whatever is in God is in me and whatever isn't in God isn't in me. It's like a divine transfusion of life flowing one to another. My root is now in him who is the same yesterday, today and forever. The one is steadfast and immovable. So when the devil comes to me and says, you know what, you'll go home and things won't change. You'll be back to your same old insignificant, wishy-washy self, changing your mind every day. You just tell the devil, I've been engrafted into the one who's steadfast, immovable. Same yesterday, today and forever the all-faithful one. And his vine, his life is flowing into me today. And by faith, I'm reaching out and saying yes and amen. So when we say amen, that word literally means let it be to me according to your word. A yes and an amen in the spirit. And then life begins to flow. That's how God blessed Abraham. The Bible says Abraham was but one, Isaiah 51, 2. Abraham was but one, but one, just one person, one person, insignificant. And the Bible says God blessed him and made him many. Faith is both an agreement with God and a becoming with God. So God blessed him. Abraham believed in God and all that God was began to flow into Abraham. So we think God blessed Abraham as some sort of you know, cosmetic dressing over his life. No, what it means is all that God was, Abraham became. That's how God blessed him. So the nature that was in God became in Abraham. And so because Abraham carried that everywhere he went, he prospered. How amazing. Mark eleven twenty three says, Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes the things he says will be done, he shall have whatever he says or she says. Whoever does not doubt in his heart, being connected with the Father, but believes the things he says will be done. That word will be done is being assembled. And as I am one with the Father, as I am meditating on his word, as I meditate... If it is on prosperity, as I meditate on it, as I say, God, you're the God of the hundredfold return. You take great pleasure in the prosperity of your people. As I meditate, the Bible says, listen, that whatever I'm meditating on is being assembled inside me. 
See, we want to assemble it outside, but God came to Abraham when he was but one and he blessed him. What does it mean to be blessed? He began to assemble who God was inside Abraham. And that's what happens when faith comes. It's taking of the nature and the mind of God and bringing it inside me. So that's why Mark says in Mark eleven twenty three, whoever does not doubt in his heart, but believes the things he says are being assembled. So as I begin to meditate and declare God's word and agree with God, something is shifting inside me. So many people, and I felt God say this week, are so obsessed with their circumstances and their physical life and the appearances and the visual things in front of them. And God's saying, you're trying to change the outside rather than change the inside. And if you would allow my nature to come inside you and assemble something inside you, whatever is, the kingdom works this way. Whatever is on the inside will flow out to the outside. Greater is he who is in you than he is in the world. The kingdom of God is within you. It doesn't come by observation. You won't say see here or see there, for the kingdom of God is within you. And as I fellowship with God and his nature flows into me, Everything on the outside has to line up with what is on the inside. Little faith, great faith, exceeding great faith, and the spirit of faith. I love this concept of the spirit of faith. 2 Corinthians 4.13 talks about the spirit of faith because faith is impart, imparted from the Holy Spirit to me yeah. you can't leave Holy Spirit out of faith see the reason some people don't have great faith is because they have a poor relationship with the Holy Spirit you pick your Bible up you read a few verses and you go ah. it's not a textbook the Bible's not a textbook. You're not in a classroom. You're not trying to, you know, read eight verses, three chapters, do my devotions, tick off a thing. Forget it. You've missed the whole point. You never change. You get a whole lot of knowledge, but it's called the spirit of faith. And when the Holy Ghost breathes on a passage when he comes to you and says right I'm putting you Lynn in the school of faith when it comes to deliverance you've seen so many people traumatized and troubled by demons and people have said mental health issues but under that mental health there's been a demon at work and so God comes by the spirit of God and says I'm going to take you in the school of faith and I'm going to begin to breathe on passages of scripture and a spirit of faith will come. It won't be intellectual knowledge. It'll be the spirit of God breathing. And there'll be a life transference from God himself to you. It'll be a symbol in your heart. And you'll be ready for the hour. And you'll speak a word and they shall be healed. The spirit of faith. 1 Corinthians 2.12 says, We've received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God. So we would know the things that are freely given. John 16, 13 says, When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. So Holy Spirit comes to breathe life on the scriptures that we ponder on 
and meditate on. As I said, as I was writing this book, he came to me and he spoke to me about the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, a light will go off and the spirit of faith will come and it will take you in the class of the spirit. And you begin to see things that you never saw before and it will be a firm foundation. You won't be a parrot, but you'll be a voice. So you'd never beat the devil saying, she said it was written. You've got to know in your own heart. You've got to have revelation in your own life. We have to operate with that which gets into our spirit and not that which gets into our head. Romans 10.10 says, with the heart man believes. With the heart, with the heart, with the heart. What's the heart in the Bible? Well, there's different opinions, but I essentially believe it's a combination of the reborn spirit and the renewed soul, the mind, the will, and the emotions. It's not just the intellectual part of our head. You don't believe with your head. No one here today got born again because you thought it was a good idea. It doesn't make sense that Jesus, some random Jewish figure 2,000 years ago, came along um, because of a random thought of a God that we can't see, he impregnated a woman who was a virgin, who was a young virgin of that, filled by the Holy Ghost, and he came and he lived and he died. He took your sins 2,000 years later, paid, paid for that at the cross, shed his blood, and because of some random Jewish man dying on a cross, shedding his blood, your life is changed today. Okay, I can believe that. It makes no sense. But I know that I know that when I heard the gospel preached with power and someone talked to me about a saviour and his name was Jesus and he loved me and he had a plan for my life, something came alive in my spirit and I said, I need that. With the heart, man believes. So when you're challenged, it's not what's in your head, but it's what's in your spirit that responds. Have you ever been in a crisis you find out what's in your spirit and you find out what's in your head ever seen someone hit their finger or some tragic accident some pressure that comes upon us that you get a you get a, a phone call and and all the money that you thought you had's all disappeared you get that you know we've all had it that 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 email and then you find out what's in your spirit and you find out what's in your head. I know what it's like to, to get sideswiped by the enemy. And that's where what's in your spirit rises up. I've had people, and I don't want to bore you, but over many, many years, it seemed like an area the enemy's attacked myself in this church has been in finance. I've had people almost demon-possessed, and you don't know who they are, but They've come and threatened me and said, this church will die. You'll have no money. And it's then what's in your spirit that rises up that says, you will not bankrupt this church. This church is financed by God. And if we rely on you, I'll shut the door. And there's no fear that comes in. You stand in faith. And some of you have had diagnosis over you that says you're going to die. And something rises up and says, I shall not die, but I will live. 
It's not, it's not from there, it's from here. Because you've been fellowshipping with the Lord, you're joined in one spirit. And there's something being assembled inside you that now is greater than every adverse circumstance that says, I cannot die and I cannot go under because the greater one is in me. And something's being built up and established in my life called God himself. And with God, all things are possible. And so you defy every lie of the enemy. And it's not something in the head. The church is filled with people that are intellectualized in their head, but they don't know how to take out a demon. And someone manifests and they get scared and they run away. And they don't understand that God has given you all power and all authority against every demon in hell. I've seen them come into my room and manifested. And I've gone back to sleep because they're nothing. They are nothing. Because we are covered under the blood of Jesus and we are in Christ Jesus. He's given us all authority over the works of the enemy. But you don't know that here. You know that here. Good point. So when you're in the spirit, everything changes. The spirit of faith has come. And I know that I know. And then everything becomes a rest. Hebrews 4.10 says we labour to enter the rest. And that's what it means. I've, I've got to get before the Lord. Nobody can do that for you. I can't labour for you. My job here is to encourage you, to inspire you, to exhort you. But you go home today and you get before the Lord and say, God, I am determined today by your grace to labour, to enter the rest. In every area of my life where the enemy's brought turmoil and, and discomfort, I am going to labour to get into that rest. Mm. Restlessness is a proof of unbelief. And agitation is a proof of unbelief. And every area, if the enemy can come and touch you and cause you to get into unbelief or restlessness or anxiety, you need more faith. And so I go back and I say, God, I was pressed this week and I reacted. Someone told me they were doing this or that and I got all worked up. Teach me, Lord. Lord, I'm, you're the... You're the vine and I come to you and I want you to assemble your perspective in my life. And so I'm like a rock. And it comes with time and experience. So I've had, and I don't say this to be cocky, but I've had young, younger men in the faith say, we've got a problem here. It looks like it's all going to go hopeless. And I say, no, it won't. Because I've seen God be faithful over and over again. Nobody can take us out if God is for us. And it's in that place of faith, God begins to move. He's looking for opportunities to move with great faith. When you get into the realm of rest, the battle changes. God has taken over. And I'm here to tell you when God takes over, it's over. When you get into that place of rest, God begins to work on your behalf. So Father, we want to come into that place of deep faith and rest. No more agitation. Some of us get worked up about changing and breakthrough. Forget it. Listen to me. Look at me. Don't get distracted. Your breakthrough is not about you getting worked up. It's about putting your faith 
in a mighty miracle working God and allowing him to assemble all that you are. Listen carefully. Some of you are so focused on what you're not and what the devil says that, you know, all the things that are wrong with you, forget about it. You are joined to the overcoming one. You're joined to the one who's a mighty miracle working God. And you begin to rest in that and, and feed on that. And all of a sudden, he's assembled inside you such great faith in who you are that your circumstances now bow their knee before you. One of the ways that the spirit of faith comes, we talked about the Holy Spirit breathing upon the word, but it also comes through impartation. Just quickly, Ezekiel 2, verse 1 and 2. He said to me, son of man, stand on your feet and I will speak to you. God's calling his church to stand up. Stand on your feet. I'm about to speak a word into you. He says, and the spirit then entered me when he spoke to me and, I, and set me on my feet. And I heard him who spoke to me. Listen carefully. You crave for the spirit of faith by connecting to the word of faith that is preached by the carriers of the spirit of faith. And that can be books, tapes, CDs, reel-to-reel, live stream, in person. You crave for the spirit of faith by connecting to the word of faith being preached by carriers of the spirit of faith. And even here today, there is an impartation of faith from me to you as you crave for the spirit of faith. And when this spirit of faith comes upon you, you get the same results and you begin to duplicate the same grace. Why is it, just from my experience, why is it, here I've got three young boys who all preach like me and probably better and walk in the same grace and the same anointing of revelation because they've understood the principle of craving for the spirit of faith by connecting to those that release that grace in their own life. 2 Kings 2.14 talks about Elisha and Elijah, and it says the same spirit that's on Elijah is now on Elisha and enabled Elisha to operate in the same frequency that Elijah did. And so, my friend, you find people. You humble yourself. You hunger, you thirst, you question, you read, you pursue. And I said, God, I need a breakthrough in the realm of finances. So I found a woman called Gloria Copeland and I found a book that she wrote on prosperity and I read it and I underlined it and I read it and I bought it and I gave it away to other people and I read it and I read it until one day it seemed like something in heaven opened over my life. And I knew that what she had spoken was now a reality in my life. And I was operating on the same frequency that she operated in. That's how the kingdom works. It comes by impartation. Paul talks about this in Ephesians 3. He talks about the manifold grace that was given to him from God for the sake of you all. So whatever God places in a man or woman is not for my sake or their sake, 
It's for your sake. And the object of the body, the, the reality, the, the wisdom of the body is to begin to reach out and grab what God places in people around you because it's for your sake. And the truth is in the body of Christ, many people are satisfied with the principles of a person and not the heart of a person. Because no matter how close a pipe is to water, it can't enjoy the flow of the water unless it's connected. And I've got to say to you, and I say it in love, and I say it to all the body of Christ, there are so many people that come to church they're a part of the body of Christ, but they're not connected. They enjoy the principle. Oh, that was a nice message. And I thank them. Thank you for thanking me. That was a nice message. They enjoy the principles, but they don't have the heart. They haven't connected and grabbed that spirit of faith that says, all that's on your life, I make that mine. So being around somebody doesn't qualify you to have their grace. It's being connected that, can, that qualifies you for the grace. Elisha's transference came because of connectivity. There were all the sons of the prophets, but one man got the double portion. And why did he get it? Because he said, wherever you are, that's where I am. Now, I'm not saying you have to live in their house, but there comes a heart connection. You say, and I know, I know the men of God and the women of God in my life, and I made it my object not to bug them, but when I sat there under their presence to say, God, everything that's in that person, put it in me. And it's like I was drawing it out of them. And isn't it a wonder that then I begin to prophesy over me? Why would they pick me out from everyone else in the crowd? Because that's what the anointing does. It draws on the hearts of people. Jesus felt virtue flow from him to one woman because there was one woman in the crown that says, everything that you've got, I want. And that's how the spirit of faith is transferred in the body of Christ. We read the word, Holy Spirit uh, lights it up, gives revelation. But the second area, which I'm finishing on today, is that we begin to gain the spirit of faith from other people. There's an impartation of great faith to believe. My last pastor that I served under, a wonderful woman of God, one of the things that she imparted to me was the faith to believe that I could live and influence millionaires. She was a powerful and is a powerful woman of God. But I know in my heart, as much as I could, I positioned myself to receive not just principles from her. I wanted her heart. I wanted what was inside her, the spirit that she carried. God, let that come to me. Let there be a portion. that The anointing that was on Paul fell on Timothy. And God, Paul said to Timothy, make sure that when you preach and you minister, that you that take that same anointing and pass it on to those. It's called the spirit of faith. Proverbs 27, 17 says, iron sharpens iron. One man sharpens another. Whoever tends the fig tree will eat its fruit. And he who cares for his master will be honoured. And in water, face, as in water, face reflects face. So the heart of a man reflects the man. I could spend a whole day on that. 
But essentially, it's one thing to be in church. And it's another thing to be in touch with the Spirit at work in the church. Are you getting that? It's one thing to come to church and sit on the pew, put in an offering, go home. But it's another thing to come and be immersed in the Spirit that is at work in that church. And everywhere I go, every church I go, it's the same story. That the ones that immerse themselves in the spirit of the work in that church. And I'm not talking about serving. I'm saying connecting to that very deep heart of what God is doing. They're the ones that change, that transform, that prosper, that grow. Jonathan's armor bearer said, I am with you according to your heart. And so we connect through books, through reading, through study, through sermons, through our pastors and our leaders, we connect. And there's a transference of faith one to another. Sitting here today, you've had the opportunity to receive great faith, to have something stirred in your heart, to go home now and say, okay, God, I've received a deposit of faith. Holy Spirit, show me the areas that you want to focus on, the branches that you want connected right now to the vine, to the mind of God, to the ways of God. Connect me into that very realm right now. Let your life and perspective flow into me. And as you do that, Holy Spirit will come and breathe on you and highlight what you need to do, where you need to listen, what you need to say, who you need to be around. You've caught something today. Faith has been stirred in your heart. If you've honoured this word, it's not about me, not about me, but if you honour the servant of God standing before you, faith goes from me to you and things begin to change. So lift up your hands today. Father, in the name of Jesus, I release great faith on this congregation today. Mountain-moving faith. Father, you know the areas of concern, the areas where they need breakthrough, the areas where they've been intimidated. I'm asking by your Spirit now that you would come and breathe on them and cause them to see afresh who you are, what you're doing. Let great faith rise. You said to those that believe all things are possible. Wherever there is hopelessness, let the reality and the truth of your word, which is greater than every circumstance, rise up within them. Assemble within them the kingdom of God.